This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Don't listen to the masses. Uh, freedom's possible. Fi's possible. You know, continue to learn and make changes. Do it for your kids and for yourself. Doesn't mean you need to quit your job if you enjoy it. It just gives you the power to control your life and follow your dreams. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And today, we're going to do two things. First... I'm going to share a story with you about how a bad day at work made me want to diversify my income. And then second, we're going to be bringing you a new series today called Family Fi. Fi is short for financial independence. I'm sure you've heard of it. (laughs) This segment's going to feature families who are pursuing financial independence or families who've achieved financial independence. And the hope is to inspire people like you who are listening to do the same. This week, we're going to be featuring Jim White, the young millionaire dad from Route to Retire. And you're really, you're really going to like his story. It's very inspiring, especially for you fathers out there. All right, let's jump into today's show. In mid 2016, I had a pretty, a pretty rough day at work. We'll say my manager called me into his office to inform me that there would be some changes with my position. And this is a position that I I had really grown to enjoy. I was proud to have built a team with three folks based on some solid sales wins that I had completed during the previous years. It was an honor to see the growth there, really. So I'm in sales, so I would win a piece of business with the partnership of my team. And then, magically, someone would get a full-time job. It was cool. And then we'd win another piece of business and somebody would get a job and another. And uh, it was something that, um, that made me feel really good. I liked the fact that when I worked hard and earned the company revenue, someone got a job. It was cool. So when my manager told me that I would no longer be managing those three people anymore, I was, I was pretty devastated. And furthermore, my role of leadership on those accounts that I had won was no longer required either. I wasn't being fired or demoted. I was just being shifted. So looking back, though, you know, I understand why my management made these decisions. And, you know, three years after the fact now, today in 2019, I think the move has been really good for the company. And I've been able to help in a bunch of other areas to grow business and help with leadership roles. So, but that day when I got home from work that day, I was pretty, pretty bummed. In fact, I was more than bummed. I was scared with Nicole stopping her job a couple years earlier to raise our kids at home. I was the only income source we had as a family. And honestly, that freaked me out a little bit. 
I thought if my job could be so easily adjusted or shifted, they could just as easily let me go. And then where would my family be? So after a couple of days of thinking over my situation, I decided two things. The first thing was I'm going to work hard to make this new position the best it can be. And the second thing I was going to do was to investigate ways for me to never feel so vulnerable again. As much as I liked Nicole staying at home with the kids, I did feel very, very, very nervous about our single income household. And that was a lot of pressure for me. A big part of the reason we wanted to pay the mortgage off so fast. A lot of it's due to personal stress. You know, and, and, and when you're the single income earner and you've got a lot of that stress, you got to perform or else, right? So as part of my investigation to build my confidence and decrease my family's vulnerability to job loss, I decided it was time to diversify my income. Essentially put some more legs on my one-legged income stool, in a sense. <laughs> After listening to podcasts and reading personal finance books, I decided we would construct a five-legged income stool over the next five years. And that would help us with a little bit of independence. Not necessarily financial independence, but enough independence where I wouldn't feel so freaked out the next time my manager decides to make a change. Or if there's a senior management change in general, we've got a whole nother manager. So let me walk you through those five legs at a very high level. Number one, my side hustle. What you guys are listening to right now. <laughs> Although I don't make the big bucks with this podcast, I do feel more comfortable that I have some money coming in. And if I really needed to make more, I would amp up my typical, you know, 10 to 20 hours a week that I'm spending on this and increase my income. So last year I made $13,000 working very part-time. So if I had three to four times the amount of hours in the case of a job loss, I would be able to take that to 40 to 50K. Not enough to take care of my family's annual expenses for sure because we're around $60,000 per year, not including health insurance that is. But it would be, you know, it'd be a good start. Number two, Nicole's side hustle. So last year, my talented wife took her skills for home organization and got a part-time gig out of it. She's now working for an awesome company called All Sorted Out here in Metro Detroit. I'll put their link in the show notes if you guys are in Metro Detroit and you guys need some tidying around your home. That's essentially what they do. They go into people's homes and they create order. So if you've seen that um, new show, what's it called? T tidying Up with Marie Kondo. It's like that, but they don't leave the house like Marie does. Marie comes in and says, hey, here's all the things you should do. Bye. See you in a little while. No, no, no. They stay. They do the tidying up for you. <laughs> so she does this gig on a few select weekdays and weekends per month. So the money isn't huge because the hours aren't huge either, but it definitely adds more to our overall family income. And more importantly, it's an outlet for an awesome, awesome skill that Nicole has, and it makes her happy. It could grow into a full-time gig when the kids are in full-time school, but for now, we're enjoying the very, very nice flexibility that it allows for our young family. 
Number three, rental property. You guys have heard me talk about this a lot. This year, we have a goal of buying our first rental property. We've been saving up a lot of our extra money since we paid off the mortgage in the fall of 2017. And as of last week, we have about $80,000 saved. Nuts. <laughs> we are so excited. We feel with a rental property in Metro Detroit, we project we can make a profit of around 6000 bucks per year. And if we take on some of the things like property management and some of the other expenses, it could be a little bit more. But um, we are estimating on the conservative side. And then we plan to do the same process for the upcoming years as well. So then we'll have two, then we'll have three, and so on and so on. We're starting with one. We want to make sure we like it first, of course. But outside of the income diversification side of things with the rental properties, I'm just excited to have a family business that we can do together. One for my kids to work on with us. And if they are contributing to the business, we can pay them. And then they can invest for the future as well through something like a Roth IRA for kids. So another fun route of this income diversification. All right. Number four. A taxable brokerage account. So I've been contributing to my retirement accounts for over a decade now, and I will continue to do so, but I also want to invest for some pre-retirement money. (laughs) That way, if I want to access it before retirement age, I'm not hit with penalties and taxes and all that stuff. For that reason, I started investing in a taxable brokerage account with Vanguard last year. I don't really have that much in there right now. It's around 3000 bucks, but... It's a start, man. I am hopeful that this will grow over time, over the coming maybe decade, so I have a lot more to utilize if need be. And it'd be great to grow this to, I don't know, maybe like a quarter million bucks, and then we'd be able to use the dividend to fund our lifestyle. It is doable. I just need to keep contributing and have lots of patience to let the compounding do its thing. Number five, my career. I'm really proud of the career I've had thus far, and I'm actually really excited to see where it goes in the future. My single best income source right now is my career, and uh, the way it's going over the next five to 10 years, it'll probably continue to be that way. So I need to take advantage of where I am. And for that reason, I'm going to continue to work hard, go above and beyond to meet my objectives and take advantage of the great benefits that my company offers to me as well. I get a 401k match. I have the high deductible health plan, which I can then use an HSA. And then we also have an employee ownership program. So the longer I'm there, the more ownership I have. But while I'm crushing it at work, I'm going to be slowly but surely growing other legs to my income stool. I think this will make me feel less stressed, more confident, and may just turn me into a better employee. So we're about three years into that five-year plan. Conservatively, I guess that we'll be able to make around... Seventy to eighty thousand dollars per year without my full time job by year five. That is the goal. That is our projection, and a bulk of that would be coming from this side hustle, then Nicole's, then real estate, then brokerage. That kind of situation and income outside of my full time employment will definitely make me feel more confident, secure, and less stressed. I just know it, and I think that would be good for me 
my family, my wife, and definitely my employer as well. So that's my five-legged income stool plan. I would love to hear what you think. If you have some other legs to add to this stool, I'm new to this whole income diversification thing, but I'm excited about it. I, I think it's a great way to feel more secure and less stressed and would love your feedback. So connect with me on Twitter or Instagram at Andy Hill MKM. That's at Andy Hill MKM. So we can keep the conversation going. And who knows if we support each other on our missions, we may just reach our goals sooner. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thank you for considering our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. segment. We're talking about achieving financial independence with kids. Now, a lot of people out there think you have to choose one or the other. You can't have financial independence if you have kids, or you can't have kids if you want to have financial independence, one or the other, right? My guest today completely disagrees with that sentiment because he's walking, talking proof 
that you can have both. Jim White is my guest today. He's a father, husband, and recently he left his nine to five job after becoming a millionaire and reaching financial independence at the young age of 43. Welcome to the show, Jim. Hey, Andy, excited to be here. Awesome, man. So what does financial independence mean to you? Two words, uh, freedom and time. You know, some people enjoy their jobs and FI gives them the ability to continue working without the concerns of being reliant on a company or being fired. But for me, after 20 years in IT, I just was ready to get out. And FI now gives me more freedom. It gives me the freedom to chase my dreams and work on things I've always wanted to do. It gives me the freedom to spend more time with my family and and gives me more time to exercise. I had a hard time finding finding time to fit that in when I was working. And now I can get up in the morning with my daughter, spend a little time with her before school, go exercise without any big rush, come back, work on my blog, and then spend more time with my daughter again after school. It's been a, a bit of an adjustment, but I'm loving it. I love it, man. So when did you first get excited about fire? When did you realize this was even a thing? <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was when my daughter was born in 2010. Um, that was kind of a wake up call. I, I hated that I had to go back to work and I couldn't be with her. And that was kind of a turning point in my mind. And then I stumbled across Joe Udo's blog, retire by 40 and his life mirrored mine. And that was actually the first time that I realized Phi was actually possible for just a, a regular Joe, no, no pun intended there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, yeah, that became the, the goal for me. And, and I, continue to find all the ways I could to optimize our money, you know, saving more, spending less, and then finding ways to bring in a little more income. Okay, great. So you said you were in, you were in the, uh, the tech world or the IT world. What, what did you do? What did you do in that, in that industry? <laughs> the, the burnout world of IT. <laughs> Seems everybody going for fives from uh, IT. Uh, I actually started as a systems engineer back in 1999. I was brought on board in part to help try to prevent the dreaded Y2K bug. Do you remember that oh, one? Oh, I remember that. Everything was going to shut down. <laughs> That's right. And it became a complete dud. <laughs> but hey, got me a job. And uh, uh, so I eventually became the manager of the engineers in 2005. And that was it for the next 14 years. Middle management, one of the worst positions you can have in most companies. Yeah. So, so what about your career or what about doing the middle management just didn't fulfill you? Uh. So being in the field was great, um, but then when I got out of that, then middle management gave me opportunities to stay planted. I was always going to the same place and, and everything, so that was good. But when I, but the problem is when when you're working in middle management, you basically get crapped down from above and below. It's just a it's a tough position because you don't have all the authority that you you want to make the right decisions, and that can tick off the the people who work for you as well. So it's tough. It's a tough position. Yeah. A lot of politics probably. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about this uh, building up of your, you know, your fine nest egg or whatever you want to call it. So what were the main ways that you built up enough money to achieve financial independence? So we've always been pretty frugal, but we did tighten things up a little more and we eventually got our savings rate up to 60%, which uh, I was very proud of. Um, but the, the biggest thing that helped us was just continuing to learn. Uh, and it's just those little things that you might not know. And I think the blog, writing a blog actually kind of 
helped immerse myself into that community to learn a little bit more. But, you know, it, it could be little things like understanding how pre, pre-tax contributions worked. I mean, when that happened, I, I realized the importance of focusing more on the 401k and, and our HSA. Um, fees were another huge one. I, I didn't realize how bad that fees could crush your nest egg until I linked everything up in personal capital and, and ran their retirement fee analyzer. And it told me I'd be losing $65,000 in fees just over the next 10 years. Uh, so I made some changes and was able to get that down to $12,000. But I mean, that's over $50,000 saved just by understanding and making some minor changes. I love it. I love it. Well, you talked you talked about the 401k and the HSA. These are things that you can tap after your your quote unquote retirement age. Right. So what did you do to build up enough money to live on now? That's good. So. um, So, yeah, we could talk about that a little bit more. But one of our big plans is to do uh, Roth IRA conversions. Mm. And in order to do that, basically, it's it's one of a couple different methods to take your money out of your 401k and access it before you reach the your retirement age, and the way there's different ways to do it, but but basic basically by doing a Roth conversion, you pay taxes on the money at the time you convert it, uh, but it has to sit and bake for uh, for five years. So the first thing is you don't want to move it all over at once because if you do that, that's going to be a real big tax bill. So most people form a ladder and they they move an amount of their expenses over every year, you know and that's kind of how they go with it. But, uh, uh, for us, I I brought in a financial advisor and talked with him a little bit. He actually wants to be a little more aggressive. And so we're going to bring over a little bit more than that and try to get this done in about five to 10 years. Hmm. Uh, but once it's over there, then we have to wait for five years until we could touch the money. Otherwise we'd be penalized. And I think it's a 10% penalty. So, uh, so we had to save enough cash basically on hand in order to make it for five years. Okay. Okay. So as you're doing the ladder, you're pulling money from the, from the Roth into, I'm sorry, are you pulling it from traditional to Roth or is it in Roth right now? So, so we've just moved everything from our 401ks into traditional IRAs. Okay. And so doing that, that's, there's no penalties, there's no taxes. That's a, that's a free move to make. Mm -hmm. Um, but then we'll be moving from the traditional IRAs to the Roth IRAs, okay. and that's when we'll uh, that's when we'll be hit the uh, the tax bill. So you'll hit the tax bill when you're not really making very much money at all. So your tax bill will be very very little. That's exactly right, and that's the reason. So that's the reason that I quit my job at the end of this past December was so I could start a fresh year. We haven't done any conversions, but this coming year, then we won't have a lot of income reflecting. So we shouldn't have, uh, anything else to pay taxes on other than these conversions. Wow. Okay. So if you convert, let's just say you convert $50,000 from traditional to Roth in that conversion year, are you, you're essentially saying, Hey, I made $50,000 this year. If you have no other income coming in. That's correct. Okay. That's so you, you'd get taxed at the 50,000, a guy who makes $50,000 a year, a family that makes $50,000 a year. Exactly. And so you wouldn't get taxed at the 50,000 because obviously you have your standard deductions and all those kind of things. So, uh, yep, so right. it's actually a really big benefit to be able to do this. So it was 2018, you get the $24,000 standard deduction. So it's, 
20, I'm just making this up. It's not $50,000, but it would be $26,000 or even less because you've got other deductions to deal with, right? Right, exactly. Wow. Okay. And so what what is that, like the 10% tax bracket? I don't even know all the brackets. Uh, you know, that's a good question. I don't Something know Something very small. It's the smallest one. Let's just say that. <laughs> Okay, I got into the minutiae a little bit there. Sorry, I, wa- I wanted to help people understand, like, okay, how, do, how does somebody do this? And obviously, there are smart ways to do this. And you, and it sounds like you met with somebody that helped you to figure it out. Obviously, you are somebody that dives a lot into the details, and you've had a, a blog, and you interview people, and you see what other people are doing. But even so, you wanted to make sure, hey, I want to make sure I'm doing this right. This is a, this is my family that I'm that I'm taking after here, and I want to make sure I do it right. So, how did how did you find that person, and then how did you know that they were the person to help you out? Yeah, I don't I don't claim to be an expert by any means. I I do share what I learn. I like the stuff. I'm I'm good at it, but I I know I don't know everything, and so I want to hire guys that are smarter than me to help me figure this out. And I've actually had a couple financial advisors. Um, but I settled on the the last one. I love this guy. He's because he's doing exactly what we want to do. He he's he's an accountant, but he he's traveled to other countries to live for a few years. He understands the ins and the outs, and that's what I need. I need I need a guy who understands and knows this stuff inside and out. Awesome. Well, if he's looking for more clients, I'm sure we can put him in the show notes, you know, especially <laughs> somebody who's looking to, to re- re- repeat this lifestyle. So he'd love it. Uh, very cool. Very cool. So let, let's talk about the, uh, you know, what we talked about at the top of the show right right now. So, you know, why, why do people say that financial independence is not possible with kids? Well, why do you, why do you think people say that? That, that one actually bugs me a lot. I actually have plans to write a post on this in the future. Um, my daughter's only eight. But I don't see the problems with reaching five with kids. I think I think it's just an excuse to go. Well, we have kids. We can't we can't do that. Um, you know, our our daughter does gymnastics, but she's not at at the crazy expensive gym. It's through an awesome gym that's a little further to go, but it saves us a ton of money. She goes to a very good public school, and guess what? She, she eats food. Do you believe that? Yeah, <laughs> but but we we shop at Aldi, so let her eat as much as she wants. I mean, it's those kind of things. It, it's really, you want the best for your kids. You don't need to spend thousands of dollars on Christmas and birthdays for them to have these elaborate things. I mean, they're going to be happier. They'd be happier more with you reaching financial independence and having the time to spend with them than they would you giving them material things that they don't really need. Yeah, I hear you. And, and, and I mean, your, your, your point is, you know, we get caught up in this lifestyle inflation and the creep and we think, well, this is what our kids need to be happy. And at the end of the day, when we all look back, it's like, well, I wish I would have had more time with my dad or I wish I would have had more time with my my mom or whatever it is. And th- those are the really things that, that that really matter. So I appreciate that. Thank thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I, it, it's kind of, I, you know, I, it's one of those questions I had to throw out there because you and I are in the same position, sort of a softball. But I, wa- I, I, I want to hit that. I want to hit that point because, you know, a lot of people that uh, are out there that are doing this financial independence thing, um, you know, maybe don't have kids. And so people who see that, uh, are saying, well, you know, it's nice for them. They don't have kids, but I'm glad to talk to you today because it's something that you're combining, not only in being financially responsible, but it's also something that, um, is a, as a personal goal for you as a father, which is very inspiring for me. So thank you. And, and I'll add this, Andy. I mean, I think it's actually good for the kids too, to see this. I mean, I, I open, open up to my daughter about everything that we're doing. She knows 
the money stuff. She knows why we bought a rental property. She, she understands. I, I don't dive into the details. She's, she's eight, but she understands the concepts. And that's going to be important for her down the line. If we just spend our time not paying attention to Phi and spend our time throwing gifts at her, well, now she's going to grow up to be materialistic. And that's exactly the opposite of what we want. Right. Absolutely. Well, you, you mentioned the rental property. So how are you guys, uh, you guys have one of those where you live right now? Is that, is that providing you income as well? So it's funny because uh, in preparation of our move to Panama, we sold our house. So we're now living in an apartment, but we do own a duplex and that's providing a, a, a good stream of income every month for us. Excellent. Okay. So you've got a little bit of real estate. We got the the Roth IRA ladder and then a big savings bucket. Okay. I, I appreciate you breaking it down for us. So so um, let's let's talk about this, this life going forward. You mentioned Panama. That that just popped in there. What <laughs> what is Panama, and uh, what are you talking about? Tell us what that means. It's it's not it's not Panama City. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of people that when we tell them we're moving to Panama, think we're moving to Panama City, Florida. Uh, <laughs> we're moving to the country of Panama. Um, but it, you know, initially the plan was we wanted to. Well, it was my plan. It wouldn't be uh, my wife Lisa's plan. This was all me, but. Initially, the, the plan was, hey, I need to reach financial independence sooner. I need to be done with this job as soon as I can. I need time to spend with my daughter. And so we looked at geo-arbitrage. And at the time, I didn't know what that meant. For listeners who don't know what that means, that's moving to another location. It could be another city or state or, or country in order to take advantage of the lower cost of living. And I didn't know what that was at the time. I just I put that, I was pretty proud of myself. I put that together myself. (laughs) Um, but so that was the initial plan, but then we realized if we hated it there and wanted to come back, I'd have to go back to work and we didn't like that. So we just kept saving as if we're going to continue living in the U S but we did still decide that we wanted to do that anyway. Okay. So when, when are you going? So we're, we're actually kind of making a, a trek sort of around the U.S. here. We're going to be heading to South Carolina at the end of July, and then we're going to Texas, where we'll be uh, establishing our, our domicile. That's a no state tax uh, state, and we'll be living with my brother. And so we'll be down there for a while, and we'll kind of establish residency, and then we'll fly out in mid-August. We head down there. Wow. And then the plan in mid-August, is it is this a permanent living situation? Is it three months on, three months back in? What, what, what do you think? So the, the plan is that it's going to be permanent, but this is going to be a big cultural change. And, and we know this going in. So we kind of made some, we'll call them rules, but, uh, but one of the rules is we're going to spend at least a year down there. Let's get a feel for it see if we actually like it. And if we, if we don't, if there's culture shock and we're ready to move back, we're going to wait a little bit. We want to wait that year because let's let the dust settle and and see how it goes. And at that time we'll figure it out. So we're not, we're not going to establish residency for that first year because that's, that'll run about 7,500 bucks for the three of us. So we don't want, we don't want that feeling either of, well, we did drop this money. So we're going to wait for a year and see what happens. Okay. You said your daughter's eight. Is that right? That's correct. So what are you guys going to do for schooling while she's down there for that year? Schooling? We have to, <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you going to do with your daughter? <laughs> I mean, no, it's a question. I mean, I, I, I've, I've talked to some people about world schooling and homeschooling and things like that. Just, uh, you know, what, what do you guys plan to do? 
So, so it's interesting because down there we did a lot of research into it and the public schools, you don't usually send your, your kid to because a, they're, they're all Spanish and, and B they're just, they're, they're really not that good in Panama, but the international schools like you're talking about are excellent. And, you know, compared to here, I mean, in, I'm in the Cleveland area and, you know, public or private schools here, I think the average is about 18.5 for, for private school per year down there. It's about, about two grand a year. So, but here's the, here's the catch. Uh, I talked about establishing residency and until we establish residency, we're, we're basically tourists in the country. And that means we have to follow their rules, which is that you have, you can't be in the country more than six months before you have to leave for 30 days. And then another wrinkle is our U S driver's licenses are only good for 90 days at a time down there. Hmm. So basically every few months we have to leave for 30 days. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because schools tend to not like it when you take your kid out of school for a month at a time, multiple times a year. So, uh, welcome to homeschooling. So we'll, we'll be doing that the, uh, the first year. Well, I've, I've talked to a lot of parents have had a lot of success with that and, you know, manage the curriculum. And then, you know, instead of studying about Panama, they are physically there in Panama and can learn a lot about the culture and things like that. So that's that's great. Uh, I, I wish you the best of luck uh, with your with your adventure there. So there's there's something I want to talk to you about. Um, you mentioned uh, your your wife Lisa. So what were her thoughts? I guess let's do a couple of things here. What were her, <laughs> what were her thoughts on financial independence in general once you start when you brought that up to her in the first place? Uh, she didn't like it. And I believe if I remember right, she actually cried. Uh, but, but I think that was more of a lack of understanding. Um, you know, I said, Hey, this is great. I can quit my job and, and spend more time with the family, which maybe that's the part that made her cry, but <laughs> I'm hoping it wasn't. I, I think her biggest concern was what most people would be concerned about. She was concerned that I was leaving a, a stable job. Like I said, I'd been there probably at that time, maybe 15 years, uh, with a stable job, a great salary. And now I'm going to be just quitting and seeing what happens. Um, but for her, the big change came and she actually, she wrote one of the most popular posts on my, on my site ever about her feelings and what, what changed her. And that was, we're not usually staycation type of people. We usually go places, but, um, a few years ago we did a, a staycation during Christmas and my daughter was home from school and the three of us just spent that week or two together and she, she loved it. She said, this is, this is great. This is, let's do this. So she was on board then. So she needed a little bit of uh, proof of, uh, of the situation. And yeah. And I, and I can understand that too. You know, when you first comes out of your mouth and I do that a lot too, I have these big ideas and I'm like, we're going to try this. Right, and then right, Nicole's right. like, uh, uh, you know, but like, <laughs> Hey, it's, it's a security. Like, Hey, Hey, he's got a really good job. He's got great benefits and we are able to live this nice life because of that. So once that's gone, I don't get good life. Like, but you have to figure out how that can all still happen. And it sounds like you guys came to a came to a good part about that. Yeah, you, we did. One, th one thing I wanted to talk to you about, too, is, you know, the flip side of that. While you were in this job that, I mean, uh, you, you appreciated the benefits and you appreciated the pay. But at the end of the day, you did not personally enjoy. Is, is that fair to say? Ab absolutely. OK, yes. so the the stress that you would have uh, over that period of time based on not enjoying that job that that would come home as well for Lisa as well, right? Uh, it wasn't 
it wasn't too bad. I think uh, I, I was able to leave my job at the office for the most part. Um, I think kind of the struggle that came into play is once we established that we were going to go down this path of financial independence, that's when I started that blog. I started that in 2015 and it, it sounds easy enough. You just write a, a couple posts and everything's good, but that became very time consuming. And I quickly went back to where I was just doing one post a week, but it was still very time consuming. So there was the stress of balance with that between my regular job mm-hmm. trying to, I, I mean, I probably put in, I'd say about six to six, six to eight hours in on a post every week. And that's, that's a lot of time to take away from the few hours you have with your family as, right. as a dad, you, you know, that. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, so that there was that stress there was when I, I was with them, there was a lot of me thinking, okay, we got to hurry and get back because I have to work on this or I got to do that. And that, that was, I think stressful for everyone was the outlet or is the outlet of the blog something that helped you get through some of the tough times when you're at work? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I love it. I love to write. I love it more than I, I've written a couple books in, in the past, but, uh, but this is, it's just so much different. It's so nice. You, you get it done, you move on, you write another post and it's, it's wonderful. It's like you're creating a, a journal of your life and, everything you're learning. So, uh, and inspiring others at the same time. Hopefully. Absolutely. You're inspiring me, man. Thank you very much. Um, one question here I have for you. So you're going to have a lot more time on your hands down there. You don't have a job anymore. You're going to be doing some homeschooling. I understand that. What, how are you going to be spending your time? What, what are you, what are you going to be doing in your financial independence life? What, I'm going to be at the beach sipping uh, pina coladas all day, right? Doesn't that? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, you know, oh, after a year of that, then what? No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I'd get bored with that within a week. So, um, you know, right now I'm still adjusting. It's only been a, about a month and a half since I left my job. So I'm still trying to find the routine, but, but I'm loving it. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, you know, I finally have that chance to exercise on a regular basis. I'm training for a, a backpacking trip that I'm going on with a friend of mine this spring. Um, and I'm trying to get ahead, get ahead on the blog, but for the most part, our time's just spent working together as a family, just being together and instead of thinking about what else needs to be done. That's the biggest difference. I love it. So what does it mean to you as a father to own more of your time? That's what I was after. So it's definitely awesome. Uh, again, with my daughter being eight, I think I only have a handful of years left before she becomes a teenager and hates us for a few years. <laughs> so, so right now I'm just savoring every minute of our time together. That's great. I love it. So, so Jim, let's inspire some folks. Was there a book that influenced you on your path to financial independence? And we'll definitely put, um, uh, retire by 40 in the show notes too, to, to give him a shout out. Yeah. Give, give Joe some props. He's a good guy. <laughs> um, so so initially, way back, if we take it back quite a bit uh, to 2000, probably 2002, 2003, uh, I read Rich Dad's Prophecy. Uh, it wasn't the one most people start with. Most people start with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, but that book came out right around that time. And that was the first book that opened my eyes to realizing there was something else out there. Uh, I eventually read a number of the Rich Dad books, and I do highly recommend them. I, you hear the controversial things about the books, but, but if you, if you just take it for what it's worth and realize that there are other options out there, 
than just being stuck in the rat race. I think they're fantastic. I love uh, it. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I, I like I like uh, a lot of those books and in that, that series, the whole series is is fantastic. Cash Flow Quadrant, really like that one. Definitely fantastic. Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, so one question that just popped up into my mind is, um, you know, you've been doing this blog, great writing, by the way. I'll, I'll definitely put that in the show notes for everybody Thank to you. check out. You've you've and it's called Route to Retire. So are you are you going to continue talking about your uh, your your journey now? Uh, yeah, well, Hey, if, if Joe could do retire by 40 and he's, uh, he's 40, I think that's, I think that's fair, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, the, the stuff that you'd probably share now going forward is what it's like in retirement and continue to aspire, uh, inspire people. Is that right? Yeah. I think, I think you'll start to see, uh, obviously uh, you'll start to see it leaning a little bit more towards the, the Panama side and, and some of the different things there, but that doesn't mean we're done with our finances. And our goal is to continue to optimize, to continue to, to find things that, that will make our money grow faster, to make it grow for the long term. And, uh, yeah, that's the kind of things that I'll be talking about. Tax optimization, things like that. So, yeah. So, so if you've chosen to live in a place like Panama, obviously you get, um, a little bit more for your money down there. Right. So is there a general range that you guys have for your annual expenses that you're going to try to stay within? So it's kind of cool because uh, it's it's a it's about we're we're in Cleveland and it's about I'd say sixty percent the cost of what it is uh, in Cleveland there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's not bad. We uh, we had budgeted for about around fifty five thousand per year, but again that was with us having the anticipation that what if we hate it. And that's if we need to move back to the uh, to the U.S., which, yeah. by the way, would not be uh, would not be in Cleveland. I don't I don't like the snow. Uh, I like <laughs> Cleveland. I don't like the snow. So maybe Tennessee. As a Detroit um, native, I, I hear you, my friend. We're not too far <laughs> away from each other. About a three hour snow drive away. <laughs> that's right. But uh, but but with our move to Panama, I, it's obviously going to be dramatically less, which would obviously be a good thing. I don't I couldn't tell you exactly what it's going to be, but I'm guessing that we guess maybe about 30 to 35 per year. And that's to live more than comfortably down there. That's great. That's great. All right. Well, there's a parent listening right now who's super inspired about this and they want this type of freedom in their life. What is one piece of advice that you'd leave with them today? Don't listen to the masses. Uh, freedom's possible. Phi's possible. You know, continue to learn and make changes. Do it for your kids and for yourself. Doesn't mean you need to quit your job if you enjoy it. It just gives you the power to control your life and follow your dreams. I love it, man. Thank you so much for uh, being on with us today. Where can people connect with you and learn more about Jim White? So I write about our journey, including Panama and our financial strategies at routetoretire.com. I'm at route to retire on Twitter and can also be found at facebook.com slash route to retire. Excellent writing, everybody. You got to check it out. It's very inspiring stuff, especially if you have kids and you want to reach financial independence. Thank you so much for your time today, Jim. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate it. What an inspiring story of living a life of adventure, family, and freedom. Congratulations to Jim and his family. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Jim White. Number one... Educating yourself can save you tons of money. By diving into the personal finance blogosphere and educating himself, Jim learned the impact of fees, 
tax optimization strategies, and how to successfully access his retirement funds earlier than traditional retirement. That type of research can save you tons. Number two, get help when you need it. Now, books, blogs, and podcasts can only get you so far. There will be a point, especially when it comes to financial independence, where you need to consult a professional to support you on your journey. That's why Jim connected with a financial advisor that he liked and trusted. And that relationship sounds like it helped Jim immensely. Number three, having kids does not make Phi impossible. Yes, kids inherently make life more pricey. Daycare, food, diapers, etc., etc. But so do shopping habits or lease cars or eating out for lunch every day. It's all about your priorities. If being a parent is important to you, don't let money stop you. The joy of parenthood is simply incredible. And Jim is proof that you can have financial freedom and parenthood. Whew, I got a little soapboxy there. <laughs> As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out professional advice for your specific financial situation. And I'm glad that Jim did. <laughs> Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this show. Number one, connect with me on Facebook at Andy Hill MKM. We're doing Facebook Lives. I'm posting some great articles, and it's just a great way for us to keep in communication. Number two, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player so we are hanging out every week. And then number three, share this episode with a friend who wants to diversify their income and achieve financial independence like Jim White. You can find this show and all the links and resources mentioned at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session one. 30. That's session 130. And if you're new to the show, I would highly recommend you check out session 116, the 10 steps to young family wealth and happiness. You can find that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 116. It is a great place to start. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Anthony Brandt. Other things may change us, but we start and end with the family. Family first, my friends. Carpe diem. 